so great to be with you all. Can you just feel the expectation in the air? Like people, you know what, God has, and I feel it's from God, you know, I feel like God has an expectation and a joy to meet with all of us. Up on the screen you see pictures from last week. Wasn't that fun? Oh my word. For those of you who weren't here, we talked about race and um, what race is and what race isn't and how we are to deal with racism in our country. And then we did a really great exercise. We went, we had a bride together and we allowed each, we asked each person to please take a selfie with them and someone else from a different culture and post it on our website, I mean on our Facebook page saying one people, one mission, because that's who we are church. And there are the glorious pictures of them. Uh, if you want to see them in more detail, please feel free to go to our Facebook page because there are, there are some fun examples of who we are. You know, we have a prophetic voice to this nation. We are demonstrating something that is different from what the nation is expectant of. We are a people who are one in heart, one in mission. It doesn't matter what the color of our skin is. It doesn't matter what language we speak. We know who we belong to, and we know that we are brothers and sisters in Christ accomplishing something incredible together. Amen. So, Father, we ask, we ask this for our nation. Lord God, that you would heal our nation, that you would establish your kingdom here, Lord God, that you would cause this nation to bow its knee before you, Lord God, that, that everything you did on the cross would be would be revealed here, Lord God, that we would see what it is to have a nation under God, a nation appropriating the truths of the cross. Lord God, we long to see what a truly free, alive, on fire for you nation looks like. Let it be in our generation. Let it be now, Lord. Let us be a part of that. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. So we are busy with a sermon series called You Ask For It. And if you remember, we have tackled a few things. We tackled, first of all, is hell for real? And we discovered hell is for real, but praise the Lord, we're not going there. We, we learned about that, and then we learned about why would a good God allow bad things to happen? And we learned that a, there is a good God who does not cause bad things, but solves bad things. And that as mankind has allowed sin on this earth, and as our will has been exercised for the wrong reasons and in the wrong places to do wrong things, God has a solution, and that solution is Jesus Christ. We can, we can appropriate that solution, and we can live in the solution. Amen. And then we looked at, can Christians be gay? And like I said last week, Christians can be anything they want to be but they don't stay that way. <laughs> that you can come in to this church with whatever issue you have. Whether you lie, steal, cheat, whatever it is, you're welcome. Everyone's welcome. But we know that we serve a God that changes people, that takes you from zero to a hundred, that, that launches you into your destiny, that sets you free from the pain and destruction of your past and causes you to live and be all that you were called to be, that satisfies your soul with good things. We learned about last week who cares about race, and we learned that God doesn't care about it as much as we thought he did, and that we are all one, and that race is not a biological thing, that there actually physically isn't a difference between races biologically. If you are looking confused at me right now, go get the podcast. <laughs> and we learned that we are all one in Christ, and that we have to learn to get over the divisions that mankind has artificially put upon us. 
and live the truth that God has, has given us. And today we are looking at our miracles for today. Lord, I pray that you would answer this. Lord God, we, we just ask that you would come and come and demonstrate this to us, Lord God, because you know what? We long so much more for an experience of you than just for the intellectual knowledge, Lord. And more than wanting this answered intellectually in our life, Lord God, we want to experience who you are. We want to live completely to the utmost and the most of what is possible for us as individuals and for us as a church and for us as a nation. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you'd help me to preach well and to say what you need me to say, Lord God, and to reveal what you need me to reveal. And I pray for every heart here to hear what they need to hear in order to get what they need to get. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. So here is the definition of a miracle. It is a surprising and welcome event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. So this past week, I went looking for miracles. And you know what I did? I did it sitting on my bed. I took out my phone and I opened my pictures. And I just went scrolling through all of my pictures for this year. I didn't even go beyond January. And oh my word, I was blown away by what I found. I don't know if you understand as a church the incredible miracles we are already experiencing. It's not like the sun fabled revival in the future that we somehow have to work hard to achieve. But the truth is that God is here with us and he's already doing miracles in our midst. I can guarantee you that there's not a person here who has not to some degree experienced a supernatural welcome event in your life that maybe you've explained away or maybe people around you have explained away, but Deep down, you know God intervened in some way. You got, got a job. You found the perfect marriage partner. I, that was a miracle for me because I found Andrew. He's, he's my miracle. One of many. <laughs> and after this, I'm going to get a great lunch. He's taking me out somewhere. I'm telling you, if I say the right things, I know what I get. <laughs> But no, maybe perhaps you've been healed or perhaps you just suddenly found yourself getting favor at work that you knew deep down this, there was something to this that was more than just your ability. And yet the truth is that God is in operation all the time. He's not an absent or distant God. He's a God that's interested in your life. And you know what? I tell myself this so often. God is more interested in my success, in your success than you are. When you succeed, he looks good. He's more interested in us achieving true greatness, not necessarily the world's greatness, but true greatness than we are. And he's delighted to intervene and be a partner in that journey. So a while back, I used to meet with a Jewish lady. She, she had Parkinson's. And through a, what do you call those things, a physio physiotherapist, she had heard about me as a person who prayed for people and saw them got healed. 
And so she decided that she would like to meet me and ask me to pray for her. So I would go over to her house once a week and pray for her. She called them her treatments. And I would go home and go over and pray for her and believe God for healing. And at some stage, you know, I, I was believing God for her to be healed, but I was also believing for her to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, that was my primary objective, actually. And the, the great thing is that every time I went and prayed for her, she would report that she felt better, that she got more movement, that she was less wobbly, that her shakes were less, etc. And one day she said to me, she said to me, what, please give me homework between this week and the next week that we meet so that I can prepare my heart. I was like, yes, God. So I said, I took out this little Bible that I had with me and I handed it to her. I said, I, here's your medicine. Every day I'm asking you to read one chapter of Mark out loud to each other. The, the, they were a couple. And so she did that and she managed to get through the whole of Mark in that, in that week or the amount of time that before I saw her next. And I, I met with her again and she was so excited. I said, what did you, what did you find out? By reading that, and she looked me square in the face and she said, oh my word, Jesus healed everyone. She looked at me and she said, I can't, I can't believe it's like every second thing he was doing, he was healing someone. It was so, he, miracles were just all around him, just all around him. You know what the really great thing is? Shortly after that, I, I didn't see her for a while. And when I contacted her again, she said, she said, you know what happened to me? So before that, she was like, I will believe in Jesus if he heals me. That's what, that was the thing. So I, I, I get back to her, and she comes to me, and she says to me, you know what happened? She's excited, alive, just really on fire. And just, I was sitting in my lounge, and I looked up one day, and there was a man standing on my patio. And I looked again, and it was Jesus. Guys, this is the truth. And he walked up to me, and he told me who he was, and I said to him, I will serve you all my days. <laughs> I know, I know. And what had happened is that in, in contemplating who Jesus was, she opened up an area in her mind where she was able to actually experience him. But that got me thinking about a few things. And the things go like this. It's like, what, what did Jesus actually do with his time when he walked here on earth? And that is every single reference in the four Gospels to when Jesus healed or did something supernatural. And the bottom line is this, is that he did it a lot, and he did it often. And once he'd finished doing it, he did it again. And his whole purpose was to reveal the heart of God to people, and he realized that he could not reveal God's heart unless there was a supernatural intervention of love that did more than just made you feel good, but actually changed your circumstances. Because love is not impotent. And God is not impotent. And God has a way of intervening in circumstances to change them. Jesus, as he was leading his, his 12 disciples, at one stage he sent them out before him to go and prepare the way for him. Now remember, he was, he was doing this. The disciples were seeing on a daily basis a God who was well, they weren't even really sure if he was God. A man just doing miracles at every turn. 
And so Jesus was going to go and preach to all the towns, and he, he wanted to send his disciples out to prepare the way so that when he got there, you know, something like Reinhard Bonnke does in Africa, you know, goes before and gets a crowd going so that when he arrives, there are people to listen to him. Something along those lines. But Jesus sent them ahead of him, and he said this to them, as you go, preach this message. The, hev- the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And then they went out and they saw amazing things. And then he said, okay, that worked so well. I'm going to send out more people. And he sent out 72 people. And sometimes when we think of the, those 12 disciples that were with him, we say, well, gosh, they, Jesus expected miracles from them because they were the, like those special elite. But then he went and rounded up 72 other people. And he said this to them, when you entered a town and are welcome, Eat what is set before you. That sometimes needs a miracle. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. In other words, Jesus had an expectation that anyone who followed him would do miracles. He really had that expectation. He had an expectation that anyone who hung around him would receive from him the same anointing that he moved in. What I love about these two scriptures is that it's written in the imperative, and if you don't know what that means, it really doesn't matter. What it literally means is that Jesus commanded them. So he didn't say this. If you feel like it, perhaps you can lay hands on people and something will happen. He didn't say, you know, go and pray for these people. And if it's my will, while you're praying for them, I'll sit down and I'll think, should I heal them or shouldn't I? And then perhaps I'll do something. He didn't say fast and pray and read your Bibles. God, please fast and pray and read your Bibles. But that's just to know God. He didn't make that a prerequisite for what they were doing. He said, if you are on a mission from me, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. And guess what he told you to do it? I know that's freaky. Because we know God's the healer. And I know this very clearly about myself, that I don't have the capacity to do anything supernatural. I've tried walking on water. It didn't work. I've tried commanding red robots to turn green. <laughs> Seriously, they just stay that way. But he was talking about something else. He was saying, I am prepared to come and live inside of you. And I am prepared. Listen to this. This is God talking. I am prepared that when you are doing the things I like. I am prepared to back them so that you look good. I am prepared to put my action, my my power behind your action. And you know what? That makes me so happy. Makes me so happy. So I figured 
If we're going to talk about miracles, I can give you all the theology behind miracles. It's, it's not hard. It goes like this. I can do it in one minute. If this universe had a beginning, then there was a beginner. Because things don't start for no reason. Something has to start them. So if this universe had a beginning, which scientists tell us it does, then there is a beginner. If there was a beginner of this universe, because this universe is so amazing and fine-tuned and incredible and complicated and yet so simple, you had to be really intelligent. Throughout history, we have accounts of him interacting with people, so we know that he's not only intelligent, but he's personable. He wants to be known. So therefore, we know we have a powerful creator who's intelligent and wants to be known. And if he created the universe, he can do whatever he wants. And therefore, miracles are possible. Whether you believe in them or not, miracles are possible. Because there's a powerful creator who set this thing in motion. He's intelligent and he's interested. But more than giving you that, what I want to do is I want to show it to you. So this, these are all pictures from my phone. I didn't go have to go out and find famous people and you know, stalk the great revivalists of the, the, this world. These are our testimonies, church. So the lady on the left, she has da a damaged neck and she has um, metal plates and rods in her neck. And during worship one day, she was just praising the Lord and she felt something change in her neck. And for years, she had not been able to look at the sky. Not been able to lift her head because everything was fused in one position. And she, I said to her, well, let's go outside and see. And that's the first time in years she had seen the blue sky. God healed her. Y'all know, it's amazing. The lady next to her is Sister Pumla. And I met her a week ago when I was doing my vitality test. You know that thing so that you can get points with vitality where they check your blood pressure and all that. And while I'm talking to her, lo and behold, she tells me that, they, that at the age of two, she was given up for dead. She had a disease and some malfunctions in her body that meant that she couldn't survive. The doctors had her in hospital. They tried every kind of test and they finally said, there's nothing we can do. Mom, take her home. Let her die in peace. On the way home, the mother heard about a pastor who prayed for the sick. And so she did a detour and found her, her way to this pastor. And she sat in this long queue and the pastor came out and said, God told me that there is a young child of two years age, two years old today that is going to die if I don't pray for her now. So he skipped the queue, came to her, prayed for her, and she was instantly healed and has never looked back. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. The picture in the middle, you can't read it. Don't worry about it. But the person who holds the original is here today. That is a certificate of someone who was healed from Alzheimer's. We have the before and after um, medical reports. And that's the after one. But Rona, where are you? 
just wave your hand up in the air. If you want to see those originals, they are on Rona's phone, or she has them, and she will show them to you. The person was related to someone in one of her connect groups. Gosh, go to connect group. Your entire family gets healed. They prayed for him, and he had this miraculous healing. The doctors couldn't explain it. He had a shrunken brain. I can't remember how, what percentage it had shrunken to, but it filled out and became normal, and he, he became normal. The next picture is a picture of a whole lot of people getting their legs grown out. Do you remember that, church? <laughs> and pain in their back and just difficulties in their backs being healed. That, that, that's not a picture in this church, but it happened in this church. And then the one on the very right is a man. That's his kidney stone in his hand. And all people, God's people said, ew. But I know I've shared this before, but those of you who haven't heard it, he arrived at a, a service I was doing and myself and Emlyn, he came to pick up his wife. He didn't go to church. He just was like, I'll, I'll pick you up after the service. And he, he kind of came in very gingerly and his wife asked if we would pray for him. Myself and Emlyn prayed for him. He was in excruciating pain. He said he couldn't even rate it in a, on a scale of zero to a hundred. And uh, we prayed for him. He left. And then he came back in the evening with his kidney stone in his hand, no pain, picking up his, instead of just coming to pick up his wife, he came to church. <laughs> he said, if this, is, if this is God, I want him. This is Kotsu and his, her family. They all came to church one day. Two of them were in terrible pain. One of them didn't even want to come to church that day because she was in so much pain. You guys prayed for her and her family and they were all healed. Okay, this is not from my phone, but this is a, a young girl in India, and I had no pictures of lepers being healed because I haven't seen a leper healed, but if there is one, we will pray for you, and God will do that. But, um, and she doesn't actually have leprosy, but she has a very, very severe eczema all over her skin, and I, I was watching the testimony, and it so blew me away because um, she spoke about how she lived in absolute torment until about the age of 12 because she lived with that eczema all over her, and she said it stank, and it got infected, and people wouldn't touch her. They wouldn't come near her, and she just wanted to hide away, and she just wanted to die. And then her parents took her to church, and she said this. I love this. She said the pastor came, and he put oil on his hands, and he rubbed the oil all over her. And she says the first time she'd been touched in, in her, her remembrance. And you know what I love about it? Because it's like uh, she, she got healed. This is her sharing her testimony. This transformation is mind-blowing. But she got healed. It wasn't an instant healing. She left the church still like that. But then from then on, her skin just continuously improved until she looked like that. But she said, God healed more than my skin at that time. He healed my soul because a man would touch me. Someone would love me enough to look past this horrible experience I was having and see that I was a real person. And you know, I see this with Jesus, how often he touched lepers. And you often wonder why, why so much healing comes when people lay hands on people. Why? Because you know what? In, in healing, it's more than just our bodies that are broken. Our soul is damaged. And we need more than just our bodies set right. We need, we need to know that we're okay. That we're loved. Also, this is not from my phone. This is a little boy <laughs> in Nigeria. 
His name is Abraham, and he's dead there. And the story goes like this, that he had terrible asthma, and he'd had it from a child, and he had a terrible attack one year, and he actually died, asphyxiated. And the doctors sent the mom home with her little boy. They arrived on a Friday home in the village, and there was a tradition in that village that you can't bury people on a Friday, so they had to wait till the next day to bury him. Praise the Lord for that. And he lay on this mat as all the village mourned. And while they were there mourning, a pastor arrived, a traveling pastor, actually a CBN pastor, and he, he began to show them pictures of miracles they had seen. And as their faith grew, they were all just praying and believing God for that, and they turned, and suddenly this little boy got up from the mat. And he got up alive and well and jumped into his mother's arms. But I also love about it because, of course, they asked him, what, what, did, what was it like to be dead? And he said, oh, I went to heaven and I was with Jesus and everyone was shiny. And he says, we played soccer and I scored a goal. And when I scored the goal, they said to me, you have to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's so, you know what? God is just good in so many ways. Can you, he's just not not this autocratic, dictatorial, like make people do what I want them to do. He's a God that's so compassionate and life-giving. You know, I feel like that little boy playing with asthma, he probably never got to play soccer. He went up to heaven and God gave him the, his dreams and, you know, he didn't let him go back until he scored a goal. And, you know, I feel like there's something so great about God. He's so interested in us, in us as whole people. That he wants fullness of life in all areas. That he hates suffering. He hates degradation. There's a little boy as he's, as he's healed and, and sharing his testimony. But God is so interested in setting the world right. You know, the Bible talks about in Isaiah 53, it says that it's prophesying about Jesus. It's talking about this in Old Testament scripture. One of the prophets from before Jesus came, was, was writing and talking about a Messiah who would come. And he, he makes some powerful declarations. He makes some declarations about this Messiah. And he says that he will, he will carry our infirmities. It says that by his stripes, stripes, all our diseases will be healed. He says he will make provision for all our iniquities, which literally means all our deceptions, the way we just deceive ourselves, all our sin he will carry on in his body on our behalf. It speaks of a God who is so interested in every part of us being healed and set free. It speaks about a God who's interested in setting the world right. Another thing Jesus said to his disciples right before he was going to leave the, the earth for good, he said this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus came to earth, was always God, and at any time he could have just been God. But the Bible says in Philippians 2 that he, he gave up his Godhead. He gave up his Godness. And he chose to live on earth as a human being inhabited by the Holy Spirit. 
Why? So that he could mark a pathway to show us what we could be. His death on the cross saved us, but his life paved a way to show us what it means to live the kind of successful life united with, G- with the Holy Spirit. And as he was leaving, he, he made this powerful declaration. He says, as my father sent me, so I am sending you. In other words, the things that I have done, they're yours. At another stage, he said, the works that I did, you will do greater than these. In other words, he has an expectation that all the things he was engaged with became our inheritance. And he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. I love that because what that means is, I don't have to do it alone. It's not like this, go and change the world, make it right, you're on your own, have fun. What he's saying is that, guess what? Go and do what I did, but guess what? I'm going to be with you in the form of the Holy Spirit and we'll do it together. I'll show you what to do. I'll teach you how to do it. and I will, you, will, you will do it. I will provide the power and you'll look great. Some more testimonies. Do you like them? So these are two families that I know very well. And both of those families were told they would never have children. Should we all just laugh at that? (laughs) The family on the left is here. Where are you, Jules and Chad? Wave, wave, wave. So look, I brought evidence. I brought evidence. (laughs) Shaping, are you also here? Oh, my word. Guys, see, I don't lie. It's so great. Welcome, Shops. So great to see you. The family on the left, when they fell pregnant, the doctor said, ah, you know, this is just a fluke, wild thing. None None of them, like, had medical assistance. They fell pregnant because God ordained it. And after the first baby, he said, well, you know, settle with your one child. They'll be fine. Lo and behold, bam, there was a second one. And the doctor said, now we have to start talking about contraception. <laughs> Sorry, guys, did I, did I uncover you? Are you okay? <laughs> They're fine. But, but can you see what I'm talking about? Is that these medical reports are not the final say. Is that as you press into this God, this never unchanging, always good God, that he gets to determine the success of your life, the blessings of your life. We all heard this testimony, yes, last two weeks ago, of Jack who had been involved in a homosexual lifestyle. What he didn't tell, oh, he did tell you that, that he actually was a drag queen, celebrated and given awards for it. And as a result he, of his lifestyle, he developed AIDS. But what I love about the story is that God not only healed him from AIDS, praise the Lord, there's his report. Also, you can't see it, but Jack is here. Wave your hand, Jack. If you need to see that report, you can go ahead and see it. He has it on his phone. I know that because he sent it to me. But he healed his heart 
so that he no longer lives in a homosexual lifestyle. Not because he has to, but because he, he wants to. He, God changed him on the inside. So that American Journal of Physics, I'm not about to give you a physics lesson, but that is, on the cover, there is a, uh, an article, what do you call it, a, a paper, a published paper. That the picture on the cover is from one of the papers inside. And, and that particular paper is written by someone who was told they wouldn't even finish school. I know that person personally. They had such bad dyslexia that they only learned to read at the age of 11. And now they're publishing papers in scientific journals. Why? Because God said, the prognosis that the world gives you is not the final say. You stick with me. I will change things. I will make this work. And I will give you the desires of your heart. The one on the very right is a good friend of mine, and she's wrapped up like that because she's in a very cold country, and she was sending that picture saying, look what I'm surviving. But I put it there because some years back, she came to me and she had suffered from severe depression most of her life. And she said to me, I have faith that God is going to heal me. And we prayed for her, and at that instant she said she felt like something pull off her, like a glove pull off her, and she's never suffered from depression again. Yeah, I think that, that deserves a hand. So I guess what I want you to show, I show you is that God is interested in the whole person. He, he heals all kinds of things. His miracles are there for every kind of situation. Heidi Baker said this. Heidi Baker is a revivalist in Mozambique who's planted many thousands of churches and seen many of the dead raised, etc., but she said this more is accomplished by spending time in God's presence than by doing anything else. And she talked about this concept of Jesus breathing on us and, and us receiving the Holy Spirit and walking in that awareness of his presence means that miracles become our portion. She also said this, which I love. It's not complicated. Just love the one in front of you. You know, I sometimes feel if you strive for miracles, you get nothing. But if you strive for his presence and for loving people, you get miracles at every turn. Because miracles are not the goal. God is the goal. But in finding God, we find all of who he is. He doesn't try to heal. You know, God doesn't say, oh my gosh, look at that disease. How am I going to deal with that? Look at that impossible situation. How are, we, how are we going to part those waters? Look at the Israelites. They're going to be killed by those Egyptians. How are we going to do it? You know, he just arrives on the scene and everything must conform to his desire because he's God. And that's what the cross did for us. It opened up a way for his presence to be with us. And therefore, we get all the benefits of his presence. Life, truth, health, blessing, wholeness, salvation. Here's, oh, okay, this is a video from Heidi Baker. Um, our entire center. And we were trying to, uh, you know... Change the atmosphere in the spirit realm. You know, the witch doctors were trying to kill me again, and I didn't like it. And I, 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 I felt like we needed to, you know, break something in the spirit. And then he brought me this blind guy who just wanted 50,000 mats. 
which is about $2. He was really hungry and he wanted money. So I'm praying, you know, and I'm having a great time. I'm walking and praying, walking and praying, and I'm just taking my time. And I also learned this from Bill, you know, check, see how they're doing. So I'm like, okay, I really did. So I said, how are you doing? And I stick its face into the sun. Can you see that? Right into the sun, flat out, look up. He said, no, I'm blind. I said, okay. Kept walking, stick his face into the sun again. Can you see that? No, I said, I'm blind. I want 50,000 mats. I said, all right. So I prayed, I soaked him, and he was just, couldn't see the sun. Nothing, not a bit of light, no shadows, nothing, 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 white eyes. I said, here's your 50,000 mats. Gave it to his friend. You know, they have little boys that show him where to go. I said, here you go. I said, come back Sunday and see. He said, okay. Just like that, okay. And off you go. Here he comes Sunday, but he didn't come alone. Now, isn't that nice? If God's going to show up, you might as well bring a friend. So he brings his friend. Now, they didn't come really. I don't know if they came to see. I think they just came so they could each get 50000 men. They both wanted money. So there they were and, um, at the end of the service. And it, was, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have any razzmatazz really, did we? We're just dirt in a tent and dirt. A lot of dirt. We just prayed for him. The first guy said, oh, the one who couldn't see the sun. He just said, oh, yeah, I can see great. Okay. He's looking around. It's just great. Perfectly healed. Because it's perfectly healed. Just walk, looking around. Yeah, yeah. I said, what about your friend? Prayed for his friend. He got healed too. Then we walked across the streets. And in Jesus' name, their old life went in the water. They were both Muslims, by the way. They're both Muslims. They wanted Jesus. We walk across the street. This is just our Sunday morning testimony. Walk across the street, put them in the water. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all the old life dies and up he comes. And he's looking around with this big grin on his face. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and he saw. And they didn't even ask for 50,000 mets. They were just so excited. They could see, and they got saved. So they got double sight. Saved and healed. Isn't that neat? So great. So great. It's amazing how other things just fade in comparison when you get God. An interesting thing, after... Jesus had left and he commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. It says that they, the disciples then went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And there's another branch of miracles, so to speak, another kind of aspect of miracles that sometimes is not about just getting things done. It's just about an experience of God. And we call them signs. And literally what they are, they are the experiences that people have that are unexplainable, but at the same time they point that person to the existence of a God and to the existence of a good God who's, who's interested in them. 
Now we have two mouths. <laughs> the one on the left. Also, if you want to see these original pictures, Sam, wave your hand. These pictures come from Samantha's phone, and she was with these people when this happened. The person on the left had a whole lot of uh, teeth that had a whole lot of fillings in, and in worship and in the presence of God, lo and behold, when he was finished he, and he went and looked in the mirror, he saw that his teeth had turned to gold. Why? I don't know. Really, I don't know. I don't know if that was better for him or not better for him. But I got, it's like God just did something to reveal to this man, I'm here. I see you. I know you. The other man on the right there, I think I, I, I can see more sense in this somehow, is that he used to have a whole lot of fillings in his mouth. And as you can see, there's nothing. God took away the fillings and restored his teeth. Oh, that's amazing. You know, Andrew's saying that's something to chew on. So I have to keep you abreast of all the jokes Andrew's making in the front here. They, yeah, we have a picture of a phenomenon that's been happening, not, a, not only in one place, but in a number of churches. But this, at this particular church, Andrew and I were there while it was happening. And this is a picture of just during worship or during the preaching, suddenly the air would be filled with this like glitter. This gold fine dust that was just everywhere. And Andrew on his phone has a picture of his shoes covered in that gold dust, if you want to see that. So you can go and see the genuineness of it. They're, they're really his shoes. But why, why would God do this? They were a very old pair of shoes. I feel like God just wanted to spice them up a little bit. I just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But why would God just come and, you know, just manifest himself with just like gold glitter all over the place? Why? Because he just wants people to know he's there. He wants to give them a tangible experience that, that the worship they're giving him means something to him. That it's delighting his heart. We've had other people who, who've experienced like oil just forming on their, on their hands during worship. You know what? People have tried to explain it, and I don't fully know that I've heard an explanation that really satisfies me. It's just sometimes God does stuff. People opening up their Bibles, and their jewels in their Bibles. Why? I don't know. Because sometimes God just, just wants to show himself. He just wants you to know that he's there, he's real. A man by the name of Eric Metaxas wrote a book called Miracles where he chronicled miracles from all over the world. And he made this statement which I think is really good. He says, somehow or other, an extraordinary idea has arisen that the disbelievers in miracles consider them coldly and fairly, while believers in miracles accept them only in connection with some dogma. In other words, we deceived and we just, we're just trying to fit these miracles into a belief system. Just trying to make up miracles to justify our belief. The fact is quite the other way. The believers in miracles accept them because they have evidence for them. The disbelievers in miracles deny them because they have a doctrine against them. Like I said, if this world had a beginning, then it had a beginner. And if it had a beginner, then he's powerful and he can do what he wants. Miracles are possible. You need a doct you, you, you need evidence that there is no such thing as a miracle. It is more logical that there should be miracles than there shouldn't be miracles. 
I have another video to show you and it is so great. I'll tell you why it's so great because this guy completely didn't believe in miracles. And he's a pastor and he got flu and what happened is that the flu attacked his throat and his he lost his voice. And then when he got over this flu, his voice didn't come back and he had no voice. And the doctors said, I'm so sorry. It's they permanently damaged. The nerves are permanently damaged. You will never speak again. And he could speak in a very rough, gruff voice like that. And he said it felt like someone had continuously got their hand around his neck. But he said, despite the fact that I don't believe in miracles, I, I will just live the best life I can. And so his old church, he had to resign his position as pastor. His old church invited him back to teach Sunday school, adult Sunday school. It's a Baptist church. And he went there and he was in his very rough voice. He knew they knew him and they would stand it. He starts teaching about how God doesn't have to heal if he doesn't want to. And there's, and Isaiah 53 is not really talking about miracles. And then he said, but nonetheless, maybe God could do something if he wants to. And then he starts quoting Psalm 107. And in the middle of it, God heals him. <laughs> and we, they, because they were recording his talk, they have it on tape. So I have it for you. And in the middle of trying to prove to them that it was okay for him to remain with the sickness. Oh, my word. God just said, really? Bam. And now he has a healing ministry and he goes around, all around the U.S. healing people. So it just goes to show God can do what he wants. Psalm 103, sorry. Acts, that miracles ended at the book of Acts and they never happen again is equally as wrong because you have put God in a box both ways and he doesn't want to be in the box. So the psalmist says, I'm excited. Bless the Lord, O my soul. One of his benefits is he heals all of my diseases. And in verse four, he says, and he redeems my life from the pit. Now, I like that verse just a whole lot. I have had, and you have had in times past, pit experiences. That's where his voice comes back, as he said, sit there. We've both had, we've all had times when our life seemed to be in a pit, in a grave. And we didn't have an answer for the pit we find ourselves in. And I don't understand this right now. I'm but overwhelmed at the moment miracles offer today expect one amen